0: Expand and Impact: Internal transformation for external impact. Achieve your goals without sacrificing yourself. I'm Violeta Znarkowski, but you can call me Violet. Welcome back to the Expand and Impact Podcast, a space where we discuss how you can create a successful life that is an authentic expression of you, and where we also explore the intersection between personal development and gender equality. The conversation you're tuning into today is one that I've waited for for a long time. Before I even gathered the courage to start this podcast, I reached out to Hillary and invited her onto the show before there even was a show. I first met Hillary Jackendoff when she appeared as a guest teacher in a Yoga Nidra meditation teacher training I was going through. What stood out to me immediately about Hillary was her uncanny ability to be completely herself. I could tell right away that she didn't take herself too seriously and at the same time was an authority in what she teaches and how she moves through the world, which in my opinion, leading yourself with integrity and truly showing up as yourself with all of the goofiness and all of the silliness, your different sense of humor and the different parts of you in different spaces wholeheartedly is A really rare thing to find. And also the roots of what makes leadership transformational. Hilary Jackendoff is based in LA and she's originally from New Jersey like me. We're two Jersey gals. And she is an ashram trained yoga nidra and meditation teacher. She's also a teacher trainer and trains others in the practice of yoga nidra and a human design coach. She began her yogic studies in 2008 and has been teaching for over a decade. In 2019, Hillary discovered human design and has been exploring the system personally and professionally as a pathway to freedom, peace, inner ease, and joy. Her work is focused on sharing accessible tools and grounded spiritual teachings to encourage self inquiry so you can release stress and self-judgment and awaken self-love. In today's conversation, we explore the nuance of human design and how we can use it as a practical tool to continue to develop our own self-awareness, our own self-inquiry, and connect with our most natural state beyond the conditioning, beyond the trauma, beyond all of the expectations and internal conflicts that we all experience as humans, but perhaps differently from each other. And that is exactly what we're exploring today. All of our similarities, but also learning how to honor our differences, how to really develop that self-trust muscle, and how to uncover how self-trust and intuition feel for you uniquely. One thing that I notice in society and in the online space is this common rhetoric of follow your intuition, listen to your gut. And Hillary explains to us today through the lens of human design, how that isn't possible for everyone. Not everyone has a really deep connection to their gut and how self-trust is experienced and felt differently viscerally within the body for each unique individual and human design type. We explore how to make aligned and better decisions, and essentially how to come back to wholeness and come back to self, and really uncover what reclaiming your power means to you, how that looks like, how that feels, how it presents in thought, emotion, sensation. I'm a manifester in my human design, and Hillary is a projector. And we go over our two types, but also talk about all of the rest of the types reflectors, manifesting generators and generators, and how we can live harmoniously within ourselves and each other and really develop self-compassion, self-love, self-acceptance, and also accepting others wholeheartedly. This conversation is a long one and I am not even gonna try to summarize the key details in this introduction And I invite you to simply sit back, relax, and take in all of the different perspectives that we offer in this episode and make your own mind up about them. Let's get into it then, shall we? What informs your identity?
1: What informs my identity? You know, I think certainly equal parts nature and nurture you know in our conversation today talking about human design I definitely have developed a new level of clarity around innate characteristics and innate sort of qualities that I've always held but I didn't really understand and understanding them through that lens of human design, like has really helped me to understand that nature part of who I am and who I've always been and who I always will be. And then, you know, certain elements of life experience have definitely informed my identity in, you know, the beliefs that I've developed about myself, about the world, about the values that I hold. So I think it's a a pretty balanced combination of nature and nurture. Mm.
0: One of the things that stood out to me in your answer is the piece about values from something that you've perhaps adopted from the outside world. I'm wondering if that's changed throughout your life as you've come more into alignment with your design and really uncovering those aspects of yourself that always were there, even if they were hidden beneath the surface. And if you've noticed your values changing at all to come into, I guess, like agreeance with some of those more natural aspects of you that are just inherently you.
1: So I would actually say that I I sort of like uncovered like my personal values as well as sort of my professional values through self-inquiry and also like, you know, a personal branding sort of project that I did with a, a colleague. And this was before I had an understanding of my human design. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. when I actually am looking at those values that I hold personally and professionally, they're actually quite in alignment with the specifics of my chart, which is Mm
0: -hmm. very
1: strange and a little bit magical and kind of hilarious. So yeah they didn't change. I I didn't really realize what they were until I started to like, you know, really dig down and consider what kind of underpins who I am as a person and how I operate professionally and how I operate, you know, on the spiritual level and what really, really matters to me in those ways. Um, But once I did, not only was there some overlap, but again, they fell right in alignment with key elements of my chart.
0: (laughs) Mm, That's so interesting and really speaks to me as well, because I think that, you know, this journey is a lifetime of learning and there's no end goal. Once you're on it and you have that first, I guess, like breach in awareness, it just so fascinating how it keeps getting wider and wider and wider. And when it comes to, figuring out even like what's important to us, we can really confuse ourselves. And it can be challenging, at least for me for quite a long time. I didn't have that like conscious awareness of like what truly was important to me because I was following my own urges, which is also really characteristic of my chart. And I did a human design reading with you. And there's this I guess like that duality and that nature versus nurture, what you spoke about in the beginning of these urges that we sense some of our conditioning. And when we dig deeper, we can actually uncover the meaning or maybe not even necessarily the reason why we are the way we are, but how we are and learning to honor that learning to respect that and learning to live by that and noticing how different decisions in our life were always kind of guiding us into this direction of living in alignment where you are experiencing more ease in your life, you're experiencing less resistance. These are such like words that people throw around so much these days or these aspirational words and they're real. Like you can actually live that way because I feel it every day. And even when I'm confused or I'm stressed or I'm angry, I still feel the easefulness of life. And that's how I know I'm in alignment and doing a reading with you validated a lot of these things that I thought I already knew, but maybe I wasn't ready to like embrace that and own it because there was this outside force of like, well, is it okay to be this way or does it make me different?
1: Or is it, yeah, is this really what I'm here for or is this my mind, right? Like, yeah, my ego, like.
0: Can you speak more about that? I'd love to hear your insights. Mm.
1: Well, in regards to your chart specifically, you're one of the more rare types. <laughs> Wait, let's maybe just interject quickly. Sorry to interrupt. Hillary is a
0: projector in her human design, and I'm a manifester, and then she can elaborate just so we have some background.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I was listening. (laughs) I was just like jumping in. Yeah. Um, They're like, who are you? (laughs) What are you? (laughs) So in your chart as a manifester, you know, manifestors are really well-suited to being leaders rather than sort of followers and manifestors are often have sort of big ideas and beautiful visions for how the world could be a better place, you know, and obviously the scale and the scope of those visions is dependent on the individual and dependent on life circumstance and dependent on, you know, a number of factors in terms of how that expresses. And there's specifics in a chart that can kind of point you in some directions as to how your energy might best be expressed or how it might feel most natural to express it. But in general, manifestors are here to really you know, create new ways of being in the world and show people what could be possible in this world and hold big visions and go after those visions with confidence and with a sense of personal power and an understanding of their own power. And it can take a long time for people to come into relationship with this kind of energy because it can feel like, how do I do that? That's too big. That's too much. Right. But a lot of manifestors, especially women, really hold themselves back from fully embracing that power and potential because it feels like some sort of ego trip, like that they sort of answer with, well, who am I to do that? And how would I even begin? And there's sort of conditioning around people telling them what they can't do and telling them that they shouldn't do that. And that it's a ridiculous idea. And, you know, Things like that, right? So there's this conditioning that develops whereby manifestors, in particularly manifestor women, tamp down their power and their vision because they think, you know, it's like an ego trip, right? They think that it's arrogant to want that kind of power, to be that kind of person that can lead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know that some of the topics that you speak on, Hillary, are releasing like should based thinking, authenticity, and learning to really trust yourself that deepness and self trust. And once before, you've shared with me that it's so in alignment with your actual design, the things that you've been developing yourself in, teaching on, and really devoting your life to. And I'm wondering if you can share more about that, even as a projector, and maybe we can take a moment to list the different types and maybe a few distinguishing qualities so the listeners can start to reflect on their own design and if it's feeling true to them on a certain level.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in my life and in my personal and professional life, my greatest driving desire is to inspire people to understand their own awesomeness. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You know, and give them permission to step into that And, and to give them permission to step into their authenticity and You know, of course, we can only ever really give ourselves permission to step into our own authenticity. But I do my level best to sort of model authenticity. And that hasn't always been easy by any means because, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But my deepest desire is that people feel empowered to be their authentic selves and to. Really just stand in awe of who they are, you know, and just like revel in their enoughness and find a way forward from that space of inner conflict that's created when we engage in should-based thinking and negative self-talk and compare and despair, find a way forward, find a clear path forward out of that space of inner conflict to discover what it actually feels like to be at peace with yourself, to find that sense of peace in your own beingness by expressing and being who you truly are at all times. And that is pretty much exactly what my human design is about, (laughs) as I understand it, you know, One of the key sort of activations in my chart that forms a part of my life purpose, my life path, is the energy of self-love. And my life path is about creating heaven on earth, so to speak, by transforming conflict to peace. And that (laughs) like I deeply believe that, you know, that journey of creating heaven on earth, it starts with coming into a deep love relationship with yourself and embodying your authenticity fully and expanding into that as much as you can, while also simultaneously giving others permission to be their self and respecting your differences and honoring, you know, your uniqueness and celebrating it while also honoring theirs. And this, you know, in my opinion and grand vision, this reduces so much suffering and reduces so much conflict on a personal level and an interpersonal level. So that's really like what my deepest desire is. And, you know, there's lots of pathways to that. And my work centers around human design and also yogic tools, meditative tools, all of which help you to sort of release those subconscious and conscious layers of tension that you're carrying in your being Mm. that prevent you from finding that space where you can give yourself grace.
0: I sense myself getting kind of emotional As I hear you share all of that, because I deeply sense the potency of what you're saying. And as someone who has felt that deeply ingrained, unshakable inner peace, it makes me so emotional to receive your words right now. Because sometimes something that we are shamed for wanting, but living from that place of stillness of inner peace and that self-trust that you are on the right path and that you have all the tools and the power within you to course correct and to maybe come out of conflict reset the trajectory and just always you know have your own back if you will like in simple words is just so powerful and needed and so accessible to everyone if we allow ourselves to believe it i think there's this like really big energy of if you want that inner peace it's selfish or it's not attainable for everyone but the way you're articulating it right now and like what i'm sensing into is truly the embodiment of leadership not only self-leadership but being an example of what's possible and like how it's possible to feel in your body, how it's possible to show up for others in a genuine and authentic way and actually have your presence influence those around you, even if you don't have a desire to create a bigger impact, just simply by learning to be you and learning to love all of the aspects of yourself and really like hone in on self-acceptance that energy is so radiant because people sense that. You don't even have to want to be in the public eye or like a position of authority because your soul inner alignment is radiating what's possible for other people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I feel that really deeply. And I'm, I think, you know, from our conversations before that I feel very conflicted about being in the public eye. And, yeah. you know, sort of putting myself out there in a big way, but I think the reason why I have found so much that's of of real value with human design is the fact that it very quickly and quite simply shows you the qualities of energy that you have consistent access to and the ones that you don't. And so often we're wasting our lives, our money, our time, our energy on trying to consistently access energies that we just won't be able to consistently access, you know, and it kind of throws out the notion of self-improvement, which I have thrown out a long time ago because I hate self improvement marketing and courses and coaches. And I personally don't believe in self improvement. I believe that in self acceptance and self compassion, we will find self love and we will naturally, you know, shift and release patterns of behavior. And belief that really don't serve us because we will want the highest good for ourselves and we will want to be an expression of love and light or whatever it is that you want to be an expression of in the world. You will want to be the best possible expression of that as you do the real work of accepting and loving yourself. Yeah. Like that is, transformation is a byproduct of that process. Yeah. You don't need to seek after self-improvement and you know, have this laundry list of, you know, things that you want to change about yourself. It just creates more and more suffering for yourself.
0: Yeah. It adds another aspiration and thing to work towards instead of allowing that to be your natural inherent state of deservingness and belonging and being. And I see us as having basically the same mission, but we use different tools to facilitate and guide others on their journey there. And I couldn't agree more that this need for self-improvement actually perpetuates a lot of burnout. It perpetuates lower self-worth because especially when you're striving for things that aren't in your natural design and without inquiring into what do you really want and what's important to you. Sometimes, especially with like the marketing around self-improvement, it's kind of pushing people to aspire towards the same things without actually considering, do I want that? Do I want to possess that quality? And what does it mean that i keep trying to focus and attain that and i'm personally in the belief of when we keep focusing outside of ourselves we're never going to get there even if it's through the lens of self improvement if we always want to be calmer more relaxed less reactionary in our emotions and in our thinking if that is our main focus we're never going to bridge that gap of what it actually takes to have that come into fruition because I do believe it's possible and I've seen it within myself and the women that I work with but it takes shifting that intention and that lens of instead of looking out there of how I want to be focusing on what is here right now and what is it telling us and how can we use that to guide our next move and something that I found that actually quite frustrates me because I think it's misinformation is this idea of like doing things quickly changing your thoughts quickly or changing your emotions quickly manifesting things quickly and I'm not saying that you can't get the results that you want at a faster pace but the way our biology is wired and the way our human design is faster doesn't always mean better (laughs) and actually it's in the slowing down of our system it's in the slowing down of our experience when things start to like happen faster and with less effort that's when the quality of our thoughts starts to change with less effort with less forcing with less even tools to do that for example and i'm wondering if you see a correlation of how this ties into human design
1: unsurprisingly I do. All right. <laughs> Cause I kind of stumbled over my words there. So, all right, let's hear oh. it. What do you got to say your turn? So one <laughs> thing the girls I'll... in the house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always have something to say, don't we? <laughs> um, so one thing that I'll say is, or I'll, I'll start here, right? So one of the main modalities that I work with and have for a long time is yoga nidra yogic sleep meditation, a really, really powerful meditative practice of deep rest, of healing, of spiritual transformation, of self-transformation, of awakening. It's an incredibly powerful meditation practice that, that really grants you access to what it feels like to truly just be and to actually let go. And one of the key parts of Yoga Nidra in its Use as a tool of self-transformation, effortless self-transformation, because you're accessing the subconscious mind, you're entering into somewhat of a trance state, and you get the opportunity in the practice to sort of plant the seed of an intention. And this is known as Sankalpa, but it's it's not just an intention. As Richard Miller, one of a wonderful Yoga Nidra teacher says, how life wants to be lived through you. And I think of that as the sort of lofty goal of Sankalpa, you know, like really what you're here to be, what you're here to express, what you're here to embody, how you're here to honor this gift of life. Right. But before we get there, <laughs> we have to take it step by step. Yeah. We have to, you know, I, I think when you were speaking about sort of rushing, the process of growth, of transformation, that impatience that exists in the spiritual community, in the self development community, personal development community, that impatience really serves no one. That impatience is just a sales tool, you know. Like, yeah, it's be your best self by Christmas or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like always these these like time bound like four weeks to a better you, yeah. and. it's it's real growth work, so to speak. It takes time. time. And yes, there is an element of intentionality about it for sure, but there's also an element of letting go. And there's also an element of ensuring that you are setting the intentions that are actually correct for you Mm. and not setting intentions with the mind but setting intentions with the heart, setting intentions with, you know, an inner attitude of deep knowing who you are. And that can't be rushed. That process is a process of self-inquiry. And you cannot rush that process. You cannot get to your end goal of idealized personal selfhood. unless two weeks, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, unless you really, really take and i honestly i don't believe that you ever can but that's yeah. a different but you have to set sort of intentions that your nervous system can hold you know you have to gradually expand your capacity to um to hold new realities for yourself to hold new levels of experience to hold new qualities of being you can't go from you know I want to be. This is a stupid example, but like, I want to be a meditation teacher to I'm a six figure entrepreneur meditation teacher. You know, yeah. you can't make that jump from like, I just started a meditation practice last week to yeah. I'm a six figure entrepreneur or seven figure, whatever it is, or
0: whatever figure. <laughs> you can't,
1: make that, you can't make that jump. Like, your nervous system can't handle that. Like I tell this to students in teacher trainings all the time. they are sort of like, well, how do I build my business? And I'm like, one step at a time. You know, I just was speaking with a coaching client the other day, like a mentorship client. And, you know, she was talking about like a launch for her program. And I was like, this is all fantastic, You know, I love this vision that you're attending. This is amazing. But like, you know, you want it to be small. You might not think that you want it to be small, but you want to build a real, sustainable, beautiful community. Yeah. You can't rush that. That's not a live launch. Like, let's get, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people into my membership community you don't want that. The like mind wants that. Yeah. You might wants that. Yeah.
0: The might mind think... wants that. yeah. But... And, but dropping into the somatic body and what you mentioned, I think is worth bringing to the surface is the capacity of your nervous system. Yeah. And that is such an, that's another thing that now is, you know, being taught on a mass scale on social media, but reading about it is not the same thing as experiencing it. And then also experiencing it is not the same thing as understanding it. And there's a different visceral sense that transition between knowing, doing, and understanding. And maybe that's why we <laughs> we struggle to sell ourselves because I sense that both of us just can't stand behind the bullshit and the marketing. And, you know, both of our journeys started had inception or even before depending on your belief systems to be able to even come to a place where we're sitting and having this conversation and there is a lot of I suppose yeah like you mentioned letting go to be able to open yourself up to those new possibilities and to transitioning into who you truly are in your heart
1: yeah. And those yeah, qualities. Letting go, letting go of like what you think you want, you know, yeah. letting go of the attachment to, you know, this idealized laundry list of qualities and milestones you want to hit so that you can actually do what you came here to do. Yeah. Which is, you know, the answer to that question is not found in your mind and that's, that like when you were saying, like, how does what do you think human design ties to what I just said? That's another piece of the puzzle, is like, you know, talking about slowing down human design as a system is, you know, I, I call myself a mystical pragmatist, and I I find it to be the ultimate system of mystical pragmatism. Mm. Because it is truly very, very applicable to daily life. And it helps you to understand your energetic bandwidth. It helps you to understand the mechanics of your aura, how your energy just naturally is apropos of nothing, right? Like the the way your energy is communicating with everyone else's energy body around you.
0: Can you speak and- more about that? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I feel like there's a piece missing here of what you're, intending when you use the word energy and if we can elaborate what that means through the lens of human design yeah so you can jump right into what you were saying
1: (laughs) we'll see if i remember yeah sorry Um, to break your flow i have i have no energy i should be fine so in terms of what i mean when i say energy and energy body you know in the yogic tradition the energy body is called the subtle body And it contains, you know, the, the energy centers, the chakras, it contains prana life force energy that's moving through you carried on the breath. It contains, uh, sort of different layers of your being in yoga. It would be called the koshas. So the physical body, the mental and emotional body, the sort of ethereal body. And, and that energy body, right? That pranic body, that body of energy, that body of light and in human design. If you pull up your human design chart, you input your birth data into a website or an app or whatever, you're going to get a very strange looking thing known as the body graph. And it's got a bunch of different shapes. Some are colored in some are not colored in. If you're in the 1% of the population that are Called reflectors. You have nothing colored in, <laughs> but basically those colored in centers represent energy centers that are activated within your energy body consistently. And you're transmitting the qualities of these centers, these chakras on a consistent basis, no matter what you do, this is what you're transmitting. This is what people feel from you. And this is what creates your aura mechanics and your energy type is your definition. These colored in centers in your chart that are called defined centers. So when I say that your aura is in communication with, you know, everyone else's aura that's around you, the notion is that auras are about 15 feet around you, around your body, around your physical form, the aura expands out from you. And, you know, the way I've always kind of explained it to skeptics, because I love explaining stuff to skeptics, is like, even if you don't believe in, you know, auras being a real thing, if you walk into a room, you can feel the energy in that room, right? You walk into a room and you say, oh my God, I could cut the tension in here with a knife. Mm hmm. That's you reading energy. That's you reading the auras of everyone that is in the physical space. Or you walk in and you're like, feels like a party, you know? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to do with what people are saying or the expressions that they're wearing, right? Like, you walk up to a person on the street and you're just like, I like your vibe. Yeah. Maybe you don't, but... (laughs) Maybe that's weird, but like, you know, you can sense, you can sense what people aren't saying. You can sense what people are feeling. You can sense what people are thinking. You can sense if their words match their truth, you know, like you can read their nervous system. You can read their energy body. You can read the mechanics of what is being communicated through their internal experience into the world easily. You don't have to be an intuitive. You don't have to be an energy healer or, you know, do a Reiki training or whatever to read energy. It's natural.
0: Yeah. Or even what's coming to mind right now, as you're explaining that is when you're like sensing someone's proximity to you, When you're like walking down the street and you feel that someone is behind you and you look back and they are, or you're standing in a crowded room and you feel that someone is looking at you and then you turn around and lo and behold, someone is looking at you.
1: They're piercing your aura with their energy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So brilliant, beautiful and simple example. I really like the way you like explained that.
1: I've explained it a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah. So basically You know, in human design, your energy, your definition and your chart, those colored in centers create your energy type, which has particular qualities. Like each energy type has a particular type of aura. And these different auras are in communication with each other at all times, right? So it helps us to understand the other in a new way. It helps us to understand that we are different from the other, perhaps, Or we might have the same kind of aura mechanics, but different natural gifts, right? Not different challenges. And human design charts show you all of that. So it shows you your energetic bandwidth. It shows you the mechanics of your aura and how you're best suited to maybe find flow and ease in life instead of sort of white knuckling your way through trying to force things. Um, It shows you how you are... I'm hesitant to say best suited, but it informs perhaps a new method of decision making, right? Beyond relying on the mind, it teaches you to explore trusting your body or trusting your instincts, trusting your intuition, or trusting the wisdom that comes after emotions have passed through. And it shows you again, your natural gifts and what comes easily for you, as well as areas of compare and despair and areas of self-judgment and negative self-talk and should-based thinking and helps you realize that those are just energetic vulnerabilities in your chart rather than anything about who you are, anything that is wrong with you that needs to be fixed, mm. but rather are things that need to be accepted and understood and given grace.
0: I'm wondering if I can share an example, and I hope that it is congruent with what you're sharing. Yeah, give it a go. So as a manifester, one of the things that is, I guess, unique to me is following my urges. So I'm really great at initiating things and my life path has proven that. I've never quite known The end goal, I've never quite known exactly what I wanted, but I had a sense of the direction. For example, I always just knew that I would live overseas and get paid for it. And somehow I found my way into a career that provided that opportunity. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I reflected and I was like, oh, my goodness, I am living what I wanted. And I didn't even know when it happened because it wasn't me taking off the steps of, going to a certain destination but life sort of put me on this path that upon reflection it was exactly what I kind of sensed and I have this friend who recently shared with me that she just assumes that I am good at making decisions and that if I wasn't happy I would change that immediately because that's what she's observed within my behavior over our like 10 years of friendship is my very quick decision-making, me following the urges. And I thought that was a really interesting thing for her to say and also how it isn't something that everyone experiences. It's something unique to me in my chart where I follow those urges, I deeply sense into them. And to other people, it looks like I'm a really good decision maker that, you know, I don't take shit from people or something, or I am really good at upholding boundaries because of the decisions that I make and how quickly I am able to make them and create change in my life or change my environment, for example. And I thought that was a really relevant example that is recent. This conversation happened a couple of weeks ago where she expressed to me that she just assumed You know, if something was going on, that I would change it and that she apologizes for not checking in with me. It was like this sort of situation. And it just brought to my attention how that is in everyone's reality. And I think it fits perfectly. And share with me if you agree with what you're sharing right now is our own unique energetic center, how we make decisions, showing our vulnerabilities and how other people may perceive you as well. And how that may be different than your natural state or how you perceive yourself.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with your chart in particular, like your friend saying, I apologize for not checking in with you because I really just kind of assume that you're going to do what you need to do and that you're always, you know, going to take responsibility for your okayness. I find that quite interesting because you as a manifester have a closed aura. Mm-hmm. So the quality of a manifestor aura is closed. And repellent, <laughs> which is just I hate worst. that word. <laughs> and word. like brings up like micro traumas in my life. Yeah. When people are like you're I'm
0: unapproachable. Like- I'm like I just have a face.
1: <laughs> this is how my face is. But it's it's not your face.
0: it's, yeah, it's just, my energy, yeah. it's just it's your energy
1: body. But just your are people. Is, <laughs> but it's repelling people in the best way possible because it's protecting your energy. And it makes you like an energetic force, uh, a fortress that prevents you from being affected by other people's energy and, you know, potentially by the world around you. It's like manifestors don't have to try to create energetic boundaries because, well, I mean, on a general level, right? Because you have them built in. So your friend- sort of saying like I so always, funny. I'm so jealous <laughs> <laughs> I know there's no I'm jealous of the generator don't worry <laughs> I mean I love my type I love who I am I do yeah. self-acceptance um, so much. <laughs> really 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 I love getting people excited actually about how amazing who they are is and like how amazing it is for you to be a manifester And how amazing it is for, you know, someone else to be a generator because it's so beautiful. Like, I'm obsessed with being a projector. Like once I realized what it was and I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been my whole life. This is how I've naturally operated and moved through the world. And it served me really, really well Mm -hmm. because I stepped into it naturally at a young age and was encouraged to be my authentic self. And so, you know, I feel like I found self-acceptance early in life and then it just like got like the level of self-acceptance that I found when I discovered human design blew my old notions of self-acceptance out of the water because it gave me full, everything just started to make sense. Anyway, circling back. Yeah, that makes perfect sense with, with your manifest, your urges and like you know, it takes time for people, for manifestors to trust in their ability to follow those urges. Like it's like sort of energetic training wheels, like following your small urges on a daily basis so that when it comes time to make big changes in your life, it's not a problem. You're ready to to make that change. You're ready to shake things up. You're ready to initiate a new beginning. You're ready to initiate a new path for yourself. It's like an unabashed level of courage that is very common with manifestors who are in alignment. You know, I, yeah, I love that. I love that so much.
0: (laughs) Can you share a little bit how that would look for other types?
1: I'm not sure if I can share sort of an exact parallel, but I definitely would love to sort of dive into a little bit of an overview of the other types. Because I think we completed our overview of like what the system is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I believe so. And you know, as much <laughs> as I love this attention, because
1: as the manifestor, I'm learning to step into that light. Like I love
0: being reflected back my awesomeness because I'm more of like a low-key stay out of the spotlight person that I'm like (laughs) learning to penetrate that. So as much as I'm loving that and talking about manifestors, it would be really great to discuss a parallel as well of how even decision-making or learning to trust your individual urge and what that may look like for different types. And I know that would vary depending on your unique chart, but maybe an overview of some overlapping qualities, you know, like a single type would have in terms of like urges and decision-making.
1: So, you know, one thing I did want to say is I just think it is absolutely delightful that your sort of business and podcast is like, is about expanding your impact by the way. Thank you. That is is exactly on brand, so to speak, for manifestors about expanding your impact.
0: But how interesting. Thank you so much for that acknowledgement. It really means a lot coming from you. And I'm so inspired by your journey and really felt just connected when we first met in my meditation teacher training where you were a guest teacher so that means a lot coming from you but also how interesting that without me even being being aware of my type i somehow found my way here and that is accessible to everyone and i wonder how people would respond knowing the details of their chart and then reflecting on the decisions they've made and where they are in their life or those even like hidden dreams they write in their journal that they've never shared before, but they're there lingering beneath the surface. I wonder how that would be compared to their chart because I had no idea, right? Now it makes sense like knowing all about my type and what you've described. I'm like, heck yeah, like that's who I am. This is awesome. And it feels good to own that and step into it. And I truly believe that life has a way of guiding us on that path to least resistance and most alignment without us even knowing it.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I see it every single time I do a reading, you know, of course I'll say, I have to have the caveat, like different, depending on the level of awareness in whoever I'm reading for it hits differently. Right. But when I read for people who have sort of been on a spiritual path for a long time, it is you know, the, the light bulbs and just like the levels of ridiculous aha moments. And like, when they sort of describe to me, like the trajectory of their life and what has unfolded in partnership, in business, in conflict or how you resolve conflict. In the challenges that they face, the negative self-talk, like the areas of confidence and personal empowerment, like it's, it is so on the nose. Like I am always in sort of testing mode with this system because I am highly resistant to ever moving into sort of a dogmatic attitude towards anything ever again, because I've been on that path and I, I learned a lot. From coming out of that path from from getting off of that path and is this is um, your
0: time are you referencing your time in the ashram I'm referencing coming out of that?
1: yeah yeah I'm referencing my time you know like nearly like close to a decade of my life spent on the yogic path believing that whatever guru spoke was truth and not being able to find my own truth and not having discernment around what I was being taught. And, you know, my time spent living at the ashram was absolutely incredible. And being involved so deeply in a spiritual tradition and community was one of the best experiences that I've ever had in my life. And I would never trade it. And it was unbelievably fulfilling and uplifting and, you know, provided so much clarity and direction for a period. But, you know, that path is, it's always going to be a part of me, but I don't need that kind of external, I don't, I don't want or need anyone telling me anything anymore. Yeah yeah I you know, and I want people to feel that sense of empowerment, empowerment. In their journey and journey, yeah to find their own truth, not in like a post truth world kind of way, but you know, not in like everything is subjective kind of way, but just trusting yourself, like yeah. living your own life and not outsourcing your authority, not outsourcing your your journey, yeah.
0: I think that's important enough to take a moment to pause and let that sink in is learning to trust yourself, even when you are investing in guidance and investing in yourself to really find those people that encourage discernment and encourage disagreeing with you, for example. I think it kind of ties back to what we mentioned with like the personal and self-improvement spaces. There's a lot of talk of the right way or the right tool of doing things. And something that I really encourage the students and the ladies that work with me is you need to practice noticing how you're experiencing them personally and then deciding what's right for you in that moment. Because even with meditation, right? We can get fixated as using that as a tool to either improvement or calm or peace. But in certain moments in your life or in your day or in your week, that may not actually be benefiting you.
1: Yeah, totally. You might need to go for a walk or you might yeah. need to go dancing. <laughs> like, yeah. That and even within the context of a meditation, it drives me absolutely bonkers when you know, I get like feedback from people on Insight Timer, for example, where I have a bunch of meditations up and people be like, you know, sort of like sharing their experience, providing feedback, so to speak. Yeah. um, And saying like, when the teacher said to do this, I got upset when I did it. And it's like, Maybe did you stop doing it? Or maybe did you realize that just because a teacher on a meditation app on a recording is saying something, you don't have to do it if that doesn't feel right for you? Totally. You don't have to follow the instructions and be a good student.
0: Yeah.
1: The comfort and privacy of your own home or anywhere that you have the authority to just be like, oh no, I'm just going to keep following my breath because that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Like, I, it blows my mind that people, you don't know what? Take that authority. <laughs> you know what?
0: It doesn't blow my mind. Because from a very young age, we're conditioned into compliance and we outsource our power and our autonomy to authority figures like teachers, and we're taught to distrust our own urges, even in terms of like going to the bathroom or recognizing when you're full from eating. You know, we have these like common situations where it's like finish all of your food. There's starving kids in Africa. And, you know, it's seemingly harmless. It's maybe coming from good intention and with love, but repeatedly hearing those types of things where you're noticing yourself move in a direction and then someone stops you and tells you that's wrong. it it feels wrong to listen to yourself, especially when you're coming for guidance or wanting to be guided on a meditation, on a journey of relaxation or letting go. And that in itself is the practice of what it means to take your power back. It doesn't mean you know, assert your authority over people. It doesn't mean assert your ideals and opinions over people and like present yourself as powerful or as an authority. To me, when I hear the phrase like own your power, it's trust yourself, step into your autonomy, be a self-leader and really uncover what that means for you and learn how to... Use your voice to stand up for those needs and stand up for those things that are unique to you. And at the same time, being mature enough to coexist in a world where not everyone is like you, not everyone thinks like you, and allowing those things to exist together and still learning to work together and serve each other or a greater purpose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's true. You know, I think for me, it's, part of the reason why it is my mission to empower people to be their own authority and to find you know a sense of inner freedom in their meditation practice in their mind in their heart in their life part of the reason why i feel so strongly about that is because you know in my human design chart i have a relatively rare energy center defined where about 30% of people have it and it's the center of sort of uh, willfulness and the ego and a sense of one's own self-worth and self-value that is unshakable and that is I have two energy centers defined in my chart out of nine so I don't have a lot that is consistent in me uh, <laughs> <laughs> one big contradiction <laughs> yeah, no, like really uh, I'm, big very, I'm very affected by other people's energy yeah. and very sort of energetically malleable and it, it can make life challenging because my energy type of a projector which is one of the sort of non energy types. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but my energy type of a projector doesn't really have energetic boundaries. Mm-hmm. Your energy type has the best energetic boundaries, and perhaps you don't even realize how lucky you are to have that.
0: I'm, I probably because... don't. Cause I don't know what it's like to be any other way. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know what it's like to not be me or
1: feel the way I do. Huh. And I mean, I have these conversations with people all the time about like what it feels like to have this kind of aura versus this kind of aura, but my particular aura as a projector is very absorbing. I'm like an energy sponge. So if I'm around anyone at any time, I'm like soaking them in because projectors are here to absorb the other and then use that information gained on an energetic level through absorbing to guide the other if there is an invitation to do so. So projectors are kind of like, you know, really adept at understanding energy and and helping people understand how to manage their energy and use their energetic gifts skillfully, which is ironically, or perhaps not exactly what I've been doing professionally. And personally, my entire life. But you know, again, so I have this this piece of my chart that gives me this sort of (laughs) anti-authoritarianism. Me too. So like, (laughs) I have this like, yeah, manifest naturally have that zero. Yeah. (laughs) Energy center.
0: Um, Trying telling me what to
1: do. (laughs) Yeah. But it's always been hard for me to understand how people can, you know, not have that sense of unshakable self-worth and how they can allow people to sort of direct them, you know. And I obviously had some elements of that in my 20s when I was in when I was sort of immersed in the yogic tradition, but then there is a piece of my chart where at my Saturn returns at around 30, it's like a little switch flipped. And I started to integrate these like deep, deep, deep wisdom lessons that I've been on the path of integrating the last eight years. And at any rate, that was a small tangent, but it's, you know, I think that, One of the things that I love most about human design is that it does focus heavily on finding this in the system. It's called inner authority. So it's about learning how to tune in to your inner knowing that exists beyond the mind and that exists beyond the world and the other. It is a purely personal experience of knowing what is correct for you in each moment of your life. And, you know, when we talk about like just in that example of like not following the directions in a meditation, you know, having that sense of presence in your own beingness to know that this is not correct for me in this moment, that this isn't feeling right in my body, that my instinct isn't supporting my growth. This isn't supporting my evolution. This isn't feeling expansive, right? This is feeling constricting. So you were talking earlier about like that need to slow down. And that is one of the most beautiful things I think about human design is that it, it really encourages, you know, this process of finding your connection to your inner authority for decision-making is a process of slowing down and accessing deep presence in Mm -hmm. the moment and accessing deep presence in your body.
0: I was just going to say that actually, as I was listening to you share, when you were focusing on the quality of presence to be able to access that inner authority, I was going to tie it back and say, and in order to be present, you have to practice slowing down. And whenever we're, you know, everyone listening, I'm sure you can think of times in your life where you're moving really quickly. And even if you're making decisions really quickly, they're coming from a very head heavy place. They probably have a lot of shoulds attached to it. And even a lot of negative self-talk maybe in the moment or a lot of judgment and criticism. And it really is a practice to slow down in a world that encourages urgency and to move so quickly and has so many distractions and external stimulation. And, you know, we use some different, some similar tools in the work that we do, but you have to slow down. That is a constant, despite popular opinion or these quick fix methods, they can be helpful to a certain extent, but to truly discern the feeling of self-trust It cannot happen when you are moving quickly and going through your mind. Because there are many times in my life where I thought I was trusting myself, but those decisions, they were made with my mind. And it wasn't until years later when things weren't working out or when I was noticing my emotional response to my life, did I make the connection years and years later when I finally viscerally felt what self-trust felt like for me and within my body, was I able to notice that those things that I was doing before were not self-trust. They were actually decisions with a hidden agenda that I wasn't even aware of, coming from a different motivation and not from self.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I love that you were talking about slowing down and resisting that urgency because your human design inner authority is the emotional authority, right? But that emotional authority is about waiting. It's about waiting. It's not an instantaneous experience of knowing. It's about waiting until, you know waves of emotional energy have passed through you and you have a sense of peacefulness and neutrality in your emotional body. And that energy has, you know, dissipated and there's clarity that can be found when that emotional energy dissipates. And in that clarity, that's when you make a decision, like a large sort of life decision. Mm. And it's, you know, sort of the the suggestion around decision making with that emotional authority is like let me sleep on it let me get back to you i'll circle back sometime next week you know i'm not sure when i'll have my my answer to you but you know know that this is at the top of my priority list and i cannot wait to you know see what the the next steps are. Yeah. And give you an answer. Like, and it's super uncomfortable for a lot of folks with that decision-making authority to wait out their emotions, especially when there is sort of a misperception that like excitement is a clear yes. Right. Rather than like, excitement being an emotional high and an absolutely wonderful emotional high but yeah. it's an emotional experience nonetheless and like there's this like sort of jumping into things head first that a lot of folks with this authority end up experiencing and then they end up sort of over committing and not realizing what a decision what you know what what, the, what is required of them to make that decision, right? The resources, the time, the energy, the and that they might not have enough space to do what they just said yes to. They might not have enough energy to do what they just said yes to, but had they waited until they had that sort of clarity, that neutrality and that clear sight, you know, it could have been a different outcome. Can I but ask yeah, a question? That, yeah.
0: So the emotional authority is that specific to your individual type or can all the different human design types have an emotional authority or a non-emotional authority? there's only two options
1: so all of the different with the exception of reflectors who mm-hmm. I mentioned at the beginning are like super nothing, rare super rare they're about one percent of the population and they don't have any If you pull up your chart and you have all white in your chart, you're a reflector. So there's no energetic, um, there's no energy centers that are colored in and consistently expressing. Reflectors are kind of like, they have kind of like a, a Teflon aura, so to speak, like a sampling aura. Like They kind of touch into lots of different energetic qualities and mirror whatever energy is presented to them. So reflectors cannot have emotional authority, but every other type can. And it's about 50% of the population that does. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people making decisions in the moment that ideally would be better suited to wait and sleep on things and, you know, not send that email saying I quit or I'll take <laughs> a job or, you know, yeah. we're picking up. <laughs> um, so what's the yeah. opposite? So there is no opposite, but the other types of the other type, yeah, the other types of inner authority are the most common are sacral authority and splenic authority. And then there's several others that are more rare, like ego projected, ego manifested, mental project, mental sounding board authority. And those are, those are pretty rare, but Sacral authority is the one of two authorities that generators and manifesting generators can have. So we haven't mentioned them yet because mm-hmm. we're not them, <laughs> 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 but most of the people listening to this podcast are probably going to be generators and manifesting generators. So hello, my friends. Hello. Um,
0: we're envious of your generator qualities. <laughs>
1: God, you don't even know.
0: You? <laughs> we need a lot of rest.
1: <laughs> my God, you need so much rest, my friends. Uh, when when I first discovered human design, and my friend, who is a reflector, it was like, "So you're you're not here to work. You're here to be, and you're really well suited to work about three to four hours a day in your genius zone." And I was like, "Yes, yes, yes." yes.
0: I'm, I'm literally out a right now.
1: I am yeah. a rest professional, you know, I put people to sleep. I put people into trance states, yeah. I get a lot of naps. So anyway, so manifestors, projectors, and reflectors, all are considered non-energy beings because we do not have a sacral center defined in our chart. So if you look at your chart and you do not have the little... the the second square up from the bottom colored in you are a manifester reflector or or projector and if you do have it colored in you are a generator or a manifesting generator and generators and manifesting generators are about 70 percent of the world and i always like to sort of share this (laughs) because when Gener- Some generators and manifesting generators that I've talked to over the years, they're like, "Oh, but I'm not one of the rare ones, but I want to be one of the rare." Yeah, ones.
0: everyone wants to be special.
1: No, you don't. No, you don't. It's hard over here. It's lonely. It's here. The world is not built for us. us. <laughs> generators and manifesting generators, if you are listening, the world is built. For you and by you. That's an enormous blessing. Advantage. (laughs) That is a privilege to be in that position energetically. So, you are, your energy type is created. I'm just speaking directly to the generators and energies. Your energy type is created by this defined sacral center in your chart. And it gives you this like warm welcoming magnetic aura and you know this this openness to life because you contain life force energy itself the sacral center is the center for consistent access to life force energy lots of prana lots of energy when you're doing what you love right so if you honor your energy by pursuing your passions by doing what lights you up You actually get more energy and more energy and more energy the more you do that you Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. I know. Like, (laughs) just listening to you say that, I'm like,
0: oh, I I wish I had some of that. (laughs) Because even as you're saying
1: it, I'm like, oh, that is so not me. (laughs) I mean, but it's not that generators and manifesting generators can't burn out. They totally can. They can get completely (laughs) Absolutely. And oftentimes this happens when they're using their energy and service to other people's priorities, projects, and passions rather than what lights them up. Mm. And when they're not listening to their body and taking time for rest.
0: That's a really beautiful right? distinction and thing to to bring to the surface and name.
1: Yeah. It's really, really important. Really important. And there's a lot of overcommitting that happens with generators and MGs. A lot of over-promising, over-delivering, over-scheduling, valuing productivity over your passions, compulsive doing, right? Like just needing to be busy, particularly with manifesting generators, wanting to go fast and fill every moment, but not really being mindful as to what you're filling it with. So can I add something to that?
0: Yeah. I want to maybe blend both of our teachings and expertise here. Because as a manifester, what you described that wanting to be productive, wanting to be busy, that is not inherently my nature, but that was my existence for the majority of my life.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And it took a lot. Yeah, that's the conditioning. And it took a lot of unlearning on my part and a lot of letting go to be able to reconnect with my natural design and my natural state of enjoying slowness. I didn't always enjoy it. And although MGs and generators have that energy to keep going, like Hillary is mentioning, there is a fine line between what you have been taught to prioritize and value versus where that energy is actually coming from and your natural design. So I want to highlight that in case there's anyone listening that uses what you said as a justification for continually feeling the need to keep going and going and going and going
1: yeah yeah it's you know generators and mgs like it's it's not to say like there's it's so tricky because you know With human design in general, like I don't even put out any content on human design on the internet because I cannot abide by oversimplifying and putting people into boxes without- can't. Yeah. There's nuance. There's There's so much
0: much nuance in everything, yeah.
1: I struggle with that too. Like seeing these little carousels, like generators are- projectors are like yeah there's some truth in it but like if I look at your chart and you have an undefined spleen center and an undefined heart center and you're a generator you're gonna need to really be incredibly mindful as to how you're using your energy because you have a very sensitive constitution and you're likely trying to prove your worth through your work Mm. and you are going to burn out. <laughs> and being told that you're a generator and you have all of this energy is not going really perpe-
0: to. Yeah. It like that, validates yeah. a toxic culture that we've been conditioned to think is normal and yeah. a toxic way of being that actually is not conducive to individual well being and mental health.
1: Yeah. Or you're going to feel like there's something wrong with you for not feeling like you have a lot of energy because, in fact, your access to the energy might be cut off because of how you're using it and it's just so layered, you know, there's someone who is a quote unquote, non-emotional who is like, I have massive emotions. And you look at where their moon sign is placed and you look at what the gates in their, you know, incarnation cross are, they're like, you know, that sort of the lessons that they're here to learn and the purpose they're here to embody. And you're like, Oh yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. Yes. Like there's just so much generalization that holds elements of truth, but also so much specific to the chart that, you know, you really have to take your time with, like you can rabbit hole on this, on this stuff for at any rate, we're not doing that.
0: (laughs) We'll, we'll save that for a future
1: part two, keeping a chill, keeping a chill, but, you know, generators and MGs have this defined sacral center that gives them, they either have a sacral authority or emotional authority, emotional authority trumps everything, but the sacral authority is about having access on a moment to moment basis and every, every generator in MG actually has access on a moment-to-moment basis for smaller decisions, right? To this inner authority of listening to your gut. So the sacral center is quote unquote the gut and it communicates in a very somatic way, right? It's a body-based experience of knowing. So it, it always drove me a little bit, keep saying bonkers it it always drove me a little bit bonkers to be told to listen to my gut because I was like I can't I don't know what that feels like like maybe there's something wrong with me Mm. maybe I'm disconnected from my body maybe I'm dissociated you know maybe I'm not as present as I think I am and then when I found human design I was like oh I don't have that That expression has come to be a thing, listen to your gut, because the majority of the world has access to that, Mm -hmm. but I don't. And now I don't feel like there's something wrong with me anymore.
0: (laughs) I can resonate with that. Right? Yeah. Usually for me when I- Listen to my gut is actually me listening to an emotional response, like that high, you know, like that excitement or that low. but i I connect with my truest decisions, how you explained my design is in neutrality. Once yeah. the like, listen to your gut, does this feel good or does this feel bad? Once that initial impact wears off and I'm feeling neutral, that's where my truest decisions come from,
1: yeah, yeah. But with sacral, folk with generators and MG is like, you know, when I talk to friends who have this response, this clear, clear body-based wisdom that they have access to all the time, it's like the way they describe it. I'm like, I've never felt that. Mm. Like I have friends who have described it as like energy rising, like an energetic rising or an energetic falling. For like a yes is the rising and a no is a falling or this feeling of inner expansion or contraction or feeling just like embodied pure excitement, right? But not wow, like that's interesting. but like every, like lit up on a yeah. physical, like cellularly lit up, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I know, no, 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 wow. no.
0: You know, what's coming to my mind as like just like a light bulb moment, how this applies so well to relationships and what we've been taught about, you know, like if it's not a full body, yes, then it's a no in like romantic relationships. And it's like, well, is that true? Is that true for everyone? Because I don't operate that way and I can still have certainty in knowing that I'm with the right person right now without having this like over emphasized you know, yes response or, you know, like this head over heels, madly in love at first sight, all of these things that we're taught to believe or even in friendships, it doesn't need to be romantic relationships. But my, my perception is definitely is not that what you described, like I've never felt that. And maybe in the moments where it did feel like that, it usually was a trauma bond, if I'm honest,
1: or, you know, like something that didn't quite fit right. And that's, that's the thing. Like I had a teacher and an herbalism course that I took and, you know, we were sort of working with a model of working with the energetics of different herbs through the energetics of the different chakras and the different seasons. And one of the practices for money, poor chakra, the, you know, sort of, well, there's no correlation in human design. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there is but like, you know, the solar plexus probably, I don't know, but We were working with, you know, Manipur Chakra. And it was the like one of the home practices was like, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Like a full body fuck yes, full body fuck no. And she's a man, the teacher's a manifesting generator. I learned many years later. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. No, that did not work for me. Mm. no that was and people were like you know reporting these like incredibly transformative experiences through this home practice and I'm like nope Nope. yeah
0: (laughs) and then you start to wonder you're like well what's wrong with me am I not as yeah what's wrong with me why don't I get that experience yeah I'm a frauder and (laughs) then I start looking for those specific self-improvement promises of getting to this place that actually isn't in alignment with you (laughs) and it's not a reflection of you know your own self-trust or your own autonomy your capacity to you know be self-led in those ways
1: yeah that's like I really did like there were elements like subtle elements of you know my beingness that I thought there was something wrong and like I felt like I was a fraud as a meditation teacher I'm like I'm showing up to this herbalism class and I can't access this you know, we're working with these plants and everybody's talking about how these plants are feeling in their body. And I'm like, I have a very different experience that no one is speaking to right now. Yeah. (laughs) So, but it's, it's like, I I feel like there's just so much, so many layers of subtle and not so subtle self-acceptance that can be gained when you have even a general understanding of your human design as something to experiment with Mm. Um, because it's you know it's not there are some people in the human design community like it's it's always been pitched as an experiment but of course there's always people that are like you know you're doing it wrong yeah so there's there's always narratives at play of shaming and and sort of subtle elements of self-rejection even in regards to how you're engaging with your human design experiment. Right. But I think overall like having an understanding of how your aura functions, understanding like, you know, generators and MG is like you are here to live a beautiful life. Like I was, I was giving a reading yesterday to a generator and you know, when I was saying, like, you're here to live a beautiful life. You're here to live a life that you love. You're here to enjoy the pleasure of being in a body. You're here to enjoy living in response to your senses. And she was like, it was like a weight, just saying that mm-hmm. was like a weight came off her shoulders. Cause she was like, I feel so guilty mm-hmm. prioritizing my pleasure. And and I was like, oh my God, like, no, like, please, please embody and model what it looks like to live a life that you love. Yeah. To really enjoy living. Like, projectors and manifestors, and I can't speak for reflectors because I only know like a couple of them. So I don't want to make broad, sweeping generalizations. But like, we tend to be a little bit more intense about living is that a fair assessment yeah that's pretty
0: fair I hate to admit it but it's pretty fair. <laughs> we're like
1: we're gonna do this life thing
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and <being> yep. <laughs> pretty I'm much no like everyone calls me crazy like <laughs> I'm like I want everyone to understand themselves I want everyone to live in alignment with their gifts yeah what else worth doing and generators and mgs are really here to like you know go surfing and like it's not but like you know do do things with their body and do things that light them up and love being in the body and love living a beautiful life and modeling what that looks like for us because we can actually learn a lot from them Mm -hmm. about how to live a good life And how to not take things so seriously, seriously, to let ourselves be more lit up by life.
0: Mm. Uh, Something that comes to mind as I'm hearing you reflect all of that is you have a right to your experience and it may take some time to learn how that feels like so that you can connect with what's true for you. Yeah. Yeah and I, and I think the what you're describing about human design specifically and with the urges and how you couldn't relate to the experience that you were having that others were describing to know that is so freeing because we so often are seeking these things or these experiences or these feelings that maybe don't show up in our life the same way as it does for others and there's all of these broad generalizations, like you mentioned, that we feel guilty or ashamed that we can't relate to or have been shamed because we don't relate to or we don't agree with certain things or live our life differently. And actually, you have a right to your experience, even if people don't understand it, even if people are different. And that's what makes life beautiful is to have all of these different ways people interact with life and when everyone can reconnect with that sense of internal freedom i don't even want to envision what the world can be like because it would just completely shift every single paradigm that we've been taught to live by yeah when everyone can connect with that inner sense of freedom like it would just completely shift every single (laughs)
1: dynamic and paradigm do I sense a vision occurring? Oh, so sense... many
0: visions, so many visions, Hillary. And <laughs> I've been here called, to
1: make an impact. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: here to make an impact, and I've been called. You know, I've been shamed for my big visions. You know, I've been set. I've been told that I'm too intense or I'm dreaming too big, and no part of me feels that that's true because everything I envision feels so attainable, and it doesn't have to be like that for everyone. Some people are shamed for the opposite, for not dreaming big enough, for not having big enough aspirations. And you don't have to, right. You can live a good life and you can find meaning in simplicity and be completely fulfilled without wanting to disrupt, you know, like paradigms, you know, I'm like, I want to do that. I want to disrupt paradigms, but I don't expect everyone to want to do that. And you don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I want to sit in my house and work. (laughs) 3 hours a day and take a lot of naps and eat a lot of snacks and go for long walks and have really deep connections with people one on one you know yeah <laughs> i'm very comfortable knowing that like i and owning i that yeah and but also realizing that like my boundaries will expand and my nervous system capacity will expand as i continue on in life and I can't really predict whats go- what I'm going to desire you know, next year, next month. Well, I'm having a baby, so I really can't predict what is happening next year. But next month, I'm going to probably be like, get this baby out of me, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if anyone
0: didn't pick up, Hillary's pregnant at
1: the moment.
0: <laughs> She's very <So> pregnant.
1: <laughs> pregnant. But, you know, it's at this moment in time, through human design mainly i have released a lot of self judgment around not wanting to grow my business mm. <laughs> around not wanting to you know hustle harder like i have created a really sustainable small business that feels manageable and nourishing for me and the people that i serve and with the understanding of my human design, like that I'm here to have an impact on my community, that I'm here to be a role model for the people that know me and that I know and that feel inspired to share me with their people. Right. But I'm not necessarily here to go after having a massive impact on a collective level. And I've never wanted that. And in the business space, there's some elements of shaming around that because it's like, oh, you're thinking small. You don't trust in your gifts. And it's like, no, I know that I am amazing at what I do. I just don't want to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that, (laughs) oh man, I, as you're saying that I sense the immensity of that. And you make it sound so simple because you're embodied in it and you've been on this journey for a really long time and educate others or guide others in their own processes now. And yet I know that it's not that simple. And that's another misconception. It's like these things that are really transformative are simple. They sound simple. They technically are simple within the actions you take. It's not this big convoluted thing that you need to learn or do, but simple doesn't mean easy. And there are a lot of layers to shed. There are a lot of things that you need to let go of to be able to fully stand in the most embodied and self-trusting version of you. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen by learning your chart, but that is an amazing pathway to starting to notice how you are living your life that isn't in alignment, and really reflecting on are the decisions you're making and the way you're living actually true for you? Or are you living by someone else's expectations or this need to not let others down or to please others or this external pressure to have a bigger vision than actually feels good for you right now? And that doesn't mean that won't change in the future. But can we honor where we are without trying to change it or needing to be different or needing to motivate ourselves when we're really motivated for different things right now? You know, it's like sometimes I lose that motivation to I mean, I haven't lost my motivation to grow my business because it's still quite new, but sometimes my motivation goes more into pleasure and into enjoyment and into slowness. And it's taken me a really long time to accept that that's okay and that I don't have the energy MGs and generators do, that I can't sit at my desk for 15 hours and be productive. And that I
1: accomplish what you do.
0: Even though I love what I do. Because then I'm miserable and then I I can't be creative. I can't show up fully or be present. And I just feel you know, discombobulated and unfulfilled. But when I rest more, when I do things that bring me joy, I'm actually way more productive. I'm way more creative. And that's how I operate. And that's taken me a really long time to accept that that's okay. Because even the industry I came from, which was outdoor education and experiential learning, like I would be working in expeditions. My longest one was three months, three months on. So it would range from three days to three months. I would be on 24 seven and I learned how to have enough energy to sustain that. But by the end of the expedition, I needed to rest for a month, you know, and I knew that like I would book a holiday right after my work contract ended because I was so completely depleted. But I trained myself to be able to sustain enough energy and to like push myself to the actual like my actual limit because I had to and a lot of us have adopted these qualities or these characteristics and some we call personality traits but they're not personality traits we've like learned them to because we had to because the environments we find ourselves in expect that of us but when we use our emotions as a guide for some of us not all of us like you're (laughs) mentioning but in different ways right it's still coming from internal urges when we learn to have more intimacy with our internal world, we can start to come back home to ourselves and let go of that guilt and shame that so many people experience. Literally every single woman I work with feels guilty for slowing down and and like having pleasure in her life and feels guilty when they're doing it just because, unless they earn it, then the guilt is less. It's like, I have to earn the pleasure. It's like, but no, you don't. <laughs> MGs and generators, like, that's what you're here for. And yeah. I, we're here to rest. We're here to have a different <laughs> impact. So <Yeah>. much resting.
1: <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're, they got to rest too, you know, the MGs and the generators for sure. But it's like, you know, I think I, I compared myself to generators and manifesting generators before I learned about human design. I compared myself a lot, you know, and I did feel shame for not wanting to grow my business and for not having the sort of motivation to. I have, when I want to do something, I have the motivation to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And I finish what I start and I, you know, have accomplished many professional goals that I never even imagined I would have, let alone accomplish, right? But that being said, like, I would compare myself to my colleagues in the Los Angeles wellness community and feel like a failure, like as, you know, watching them grow their business over the last, I've been in LA for nine years and sort of really involved in this community for about seven and watching, you know, my colleagues grow their businesses in really massive massive ways and feeling like there was something wrong with me for not wanting to do that and not being able to do that. Like, you know, friends working on their businesses that they love 40 hours a week. Like it's a, like, it's a real job, right? 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week, meditation teachers, working lawyer hours, loving it. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Wait, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Is it what is wrong with you or what is wrong with me? Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was neither. it was neither. It was like, I have a business and a lifestyle and a calling that is very appropriate for my energetic capacity. And for my, as it turns out, for my design, right? Mm-hmm. And I love what I do. I really only want to do it about four hours a day, max. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, friends that, you know, turn out all these meditations, membership portals, all of these, these things, these visions, writing books, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I know that I could do those things, but I really don't want to do them. Mm.
0: See, I have a similar experience, except it's I want to do them and I do it really slowly, or I need help to make it happen. And yeah. that's what I feel sometimes ashamed about. And that's only when I'm out of presence. When I'm not present, that's when the outer and inner critic come in and the comparisonitis. But when I'm able to ground in my experience and in the moment, I don't experience that at all. I feel completely in trust in the timing of my life and in my journey, but there are definitely those moments where it's hard to not compare yourself because we are social beings. We live in a um, in a world surrounded by other people. and we're taught so many things on like how you should want your life to look or how you should want to be that it does take a constant practice and a remembering of what's important to you and it takes time it's a lifelong journey and even hillary and i falter in it you know i get stuck in comparisonitis i'm not perfect i'll be the first to say i'm not perfect but i also know what's important to me right now and like how that feels in my body and i use that to guide me and it's been such an amazing visceral experience to have come to that because for the majority of my life i didn't have that I didn't have that inner peace. And I know something that we spoke about once before, and I am I think this will be the last point before we wrap up, but I've always struggled with a sense of belonging. And I know you said that you never did. And I wonder if that's also representative in your chart.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, you know... Every manifester that I've ever talked to has struggled with a sense of belonging. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How insightful is that is these qualities that we identify with or that we say are just how we are, our personality, when we compare ourselves or when we meet people that don't have that experience, like what a blessing it is to be able to own our own experience yeah, and to allow it to be okay without judging it.
1: And to realize that it's not some, you know, story that you hold or something that you did to create this, you know, there's so much sort of self-blaming that we fall into when we are identifying like core beliefs or core experiences that inform the way we evolved as human beings and realizing that like, oh, no, it's nothing that you did. Like, that's actually just a very normal part of, you know.
0: The human experience.
1: Human experience. Your
0: human experience.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the, the, the way that your energy body is functioning in the world, and it's functioning perfectly. But it's confusing because we look to the other and we see, you know, how others seem to effortlessly belong.
0: And we never know what someone is really thinking, feeling or believing or going through. Totally. Especially with like my manifestor aura where you mentioned like it's near impossible for people to read me, like what I'm feeling in the moment. That can be perceived a million different ways from the outside. It could be perceived as I have a big ego. It could be perceived as I think I'm better than other people. It could be perceived that I'm, you know, standoffish or not interested in relationships or community. But actually, on the inside, I feel really vulnerable. I struggle with a sense of belonging from time to time. And I deeply care about my personal relationships and am a really sensitive person and what an interesting contrast of what we perceive and how we interpret our surroundings without knowing the full truth of the situation and of how someone else is experiencing their own life
1: and that's i mean i'll wrap on this like that is truly the sort of synthesis of of why i love this so much and why i believe that it's such a practical useful transformative and you know harmony creating system because not only does it help you understand yourself and release you know sort of narratives of self blame self judgment and embrace your authenticity honor the the truth of of what your body needs right and step into greater alignment with your purpose and your potential but it shows you How to understand the other in a really new and profound way so that you can bring deep, deep levels of, you know, compassion for their lived experience Mm. and help foster a sense of true interconnectedness in understanding your differences the differences between you rather than trying to or desiring, you know, like rather than trying to make the other person like you wanting people to be a certain way. Yeah. Wanting them
0: to show up how you want them to show up. Right.
1: Right. We suffer so much in relationships, personally, professionally, family, like every way, parents with children, like wanting them to be as they are wanting them to not like, I'm so stoked to have human design as a parenting tool, um, to to help me not condition a child to be like me, Mm -hmm. you know, to help me look at a child's chart and be like, okay, you are you, you incarnated and imprinted in this specific way. And I get to show you how to be the fullness of that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, like, It's so potent to really create true harmony in relationships and thus in the world. Like when you understand, appreciate, and respect each other's differences.
0: Yeah. Like it's a nice idea that we accept others as they are, but it's much harder in practice. It's like, do you really accept others as they are? Or where are those little signs that are actually showing that there is an expectation there? And how yeah. is that showing up?
1: Exactly. And that's, you know, that for me is like human design takes a little bit of, it gives you a little bit of a, a foundational container to explore actually allowing the other to be themselves. Mm.
0: Hillary, thank you so much for all of the wisdom you shared and you articulate the nuances and complexity of our human and spiritual experience so well that I am always just captivated listening to you share your wisdom. So thank you so much for accepting this invitation. And I also want to say a little little comment that if you give birth, if you birth a MG or a generator, you're going to have your hands full.
1: I know, Um,
0: but there is one last closing question that I like to invite you to answer. And this is how all of our guest episodes end. And I'm curious to hear when and where do you feel most like yourself?
1: I feel most like myself when I am, you know, it's a real tricky one Mm. because I feel different aspects of myself in different situations. And that might speak to my sort of energetic malleability, but when I'm with my friends, when I'm alone, when I'm with my partner, when I'm teaching, we all hold, you know, so many parts and we can't possibly get to express them all in every situation, you know? So, yeah, I think that I feel most like myself when I'm with the people that know me best, you know, with the people that really accept me as I am, which is everyone that I keep in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, by myself for sure. But also when I'm able, like, you know, sort of, I hate to say it, but Teacher is a role that I play, and it's a role that I am a natural at playing. And it's a major part of my beingness, and it shows up in my personal relationships, in my friendships. It shows up in the way I interact with myself. So, yeah, I definitely also feel most like that part of myself when I'm teaching. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, all the things. Thank you so much for your time. That was
0: a beautiful answer. And I think it very clearly demonstrates your deep sense of feeling like you belong everywhere and anywhere you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Hillary Jackendoff as much as I did. You can find Hillary on Instagram through her handle Meditation Chick to learn more about her offers and trainings, or simply to let her know what stood out to you about this conversation. You can let me know as well because we love hearing from you. If you loved what you heard, share this episode with three friends and be sure to leave a five-star written review on iTunes. We have a big goal of reaching and connecting 1 million women who have a desire to learn, grow, and live and lead from a place of alignment, confidence, self-trust, authenticity, and inner peace. And by sharing this episode with friends and colleagues, you can help us reach this audacious goal. This is how generational change happens, one woman reclaiming her voice and her power at a time. As always, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Cheers to your health, wealth, and happiness, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Remember, expansive education plus inspired action equals an impactful life. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at expandandimpact.